0: You're listening to East Bay Yesterday. This show is about history, but it's not stuck in the past. <laughs>
1: Let's, begin.
2: Let's begin. I remember by my mom's house was a cemetery, and the first time I ever seen the Black Harley Riders was the East Bay Dragons, and they were having a funeral.
0: The voice you just heard belongs to a guy named Picasso. He's talking about the East Bay Dragons, one of the very first black motorcycle clubs. They started here in Oakland back in 1959.
2: And all of a sudden, I saw all these federal agents out there with cameras, and they were about my mom's house where I grew up in Hayward. I'm like, "What the hell's going on?" I said, "All these black motorcycle casts at East Bay Dragons." Like, wow! I just seen the, the 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 respect they commanded. They came in like. Deep man, and all of a sudden I looked, and the cops was like lined up taking pictures and shit. I'm like, yeah, what it. the fuck was going on? It must have been after somebody got you know killed or whatever, right. and then it was still open investigation.
0: But there's a lot of people out there. That voice you heard in the background is Melvin Shadrick. He's been a dragon since the early '90s. But the way they rolled and conducted themselves.
2: I said, man, when I was a kid, I said, man, I want to be an East Bay Dragon, man. I got to be that, man. I always want to be it. I've had a bike since I was 17, so I've always want to be a rider. You know what I mean?
0: Picasso finally got his chance to ride with the Dragons back in 2003. At the time, he was part of a biker club in L.A. When one of Picasso's buddies said that he was going up to the Bay to party with the Dragons, Picasso jumped on the offer. As soon as they rolled up to the clubhouse, he knew the long ride was worth it.
2: I got welcomed real nice. They were eating and drinking and having a good time here. All of a sudden, there were 70 motorcycles out front. So we we're about to ride to the party, right? So we would all get on our bikes. And I jumped in with the Dragon Pack. And uh, the thing about the Dragons is, everybody that comes, they treat you as family. We rode to San Francisco, 70 bikes deep, going through 580 and then going you know, to the toll booth, right? Oh, before we got to the toll plot, there's another thing. I was about to reach for my money to grab to play a toll. They said, "No, we got it. We got you. You're our guest." There was somebody at the toll plaza, a dragon carrying a lot of money like this man, and there were 70 of us. They paid for everybody's toll, and all he did was say, "Go, go, go." He just gave them all the money, and each each, each money they gave him, all Straight, the bikes man. went. Streamlined it in, so we didn't we didn't even we didn't even stop. He was already at the toll plaza, and I just remember seeing him had that he had a brick of money. So I go, we blast through right, and we go all the way to Frisco. And man, we partied, we had, and then we walked in line, about to grab, take my money out again, at the front door. No, nah, you, you with the Dragon family, you don't pay. We don't pay to get in. And so I went in there, had a good time that night, and then as we, we came outside to get our bikes, San Francisco PD were lined up across the street with riot shotguns and helmets, with 12 gauges like this. And I looked at the road, and they had a barrier that, you know where Old City Lights nights is? You know, Old City Knights Nightclub is right by the freeway. All the barricades were going back to the East Bay. You couldn't, we couldn't even get out of, we couldn't even go into San Francisco to do anything else. They were just standing there like this, with right gear, on, across the street. And the barriers would saying, you know, go back to basically go back take your black ass back to East Bay. But then you got to remember, we watched 70 bikes, right? Another 50 were already there. So we rolled back under the bridge, that was the like East Bay. Remember, you had to go underneath the bridge going back, right? We had over a hundred Harley Davisons running across that bridge in the middle of the night. Boy, it was deafening, man. Man, I said, man, the Dragons turned me out that night. That's my story. I'll never forget that, because I, I always wanted to be a Dragon, but when, that, when, that, when I came in that night with the LA Cats that brought me into the fold of the Dragons, I said, man, if I ever come home, man, I'm gonna be a Dragon. I will have to be a Dragon. And when I came back, I came right down to this house right here, and they
0: accepted me. He's talking about the Dragons Clubhouse, out on 88th and International in East Oakland. The building used to be a meat market, but the Dragons bought it and remodeled it in the early 1970s. It's a big yellow box with no windows that's set up kind of like a nightclub. There's a bar and a stage area. Carlos Santana even filmed a video here once. There's also a bunch of booths and tables, and a huge mural of motorcycle riders. There's a garage for working on bikes, and there's even some bedrooms for when people want to crash here. I'd never met Picasso or Melvin in person before our interview, so I was really honored when they invited me over to hang out and talk for a few hours. During our conversation, one of the things that they kept coming back to was respect. The creator of the TV show Sons of Anarchy I said that the Dragons were the inspiration for the Black Motorcycle Club on that program. But Melvin and Picasso wanted me to know that their club isn't like some Hollywood fantasy. Sure, they've had plenty of wild times, but what the Dragons are really about is brotherhood and responsibility. Here's what I mean.
2: I always remember this memory coming into the East Bay Dragons when, uh, when I first started. A lady, I was at a bar, I was having a drink with my lady. And uh, she was sitting next to me, and she turned to me and looked at me, and she said, she said, are you an East Bay Dragon? I said, yes. Yes, ma'am, I'm an East Bay Dragon. She saw the vest on my back, and, I, and she said, I respect the patch. She didn't say she, didn't say she respected me because she didn't know me. And that's why I say when the, what you do, you're held accountable in this organization. She said to me, I respect the patch. So it doesn't matter, matter what man walked into that place, it didn't matter who he was, all she saw was that vest. So she knows the organization that I'm dealing with is about the, about the utmost respect. And that's why I say to all our members, you have to carry yourselves as an ambassador of this club because like Melvin went all the way across the nation with this patch on his back on his motorcycle. And if he went all across the nation in those backwoods, North Carolina in them juke joints and carried himself unbecoming of a dragon, when I come back through those same places, guess what? I'm not gonna get the same welcome. So we are all an ambassador to each other in this organization. And that's how, how, how much of the importance this patch is to us.
0: Next year is gonna be the Dragon's 60th anniversary. On today's episode, we're gonna talk about how they've survived so long and some other stuff too, like how it feels to blow past another motorcycle club on the highway going 140 miles per hour. You're listening to East Bay Yesterday. I'm Liam O'Donohue. Stay tuned. Toby Gene Levingston started the East Bay Dragons in 1959, and he's been the president of the club ever since. Toby Gene was born to a family of Louisiana sharecroppers in 1934. The family had 10 kids and no electricity. The name of the farm where he grew up picking cotton was Scratch Ankle. As soon as Toby Jean got the chance, he got the hell out of there. First one of his older brothers moved to Oakland, and by the mid-1950s the whole family had followed him. The family still kept some of their southern traditions though. One of Toby Jean's brothers would hunt rabbits out by the airport and then bring them home for their mom to cook. But the days of picking cotton were over. Toby Jean got a job at an iron foundry, pouring the molten metal that was being turned into plumbing pipes. As soon as he saved enough money, he bought a car. And a lot of the other young guys in his neighborhood were doing the same thing.
2: So each person they were working. They were going to, we were working at the foundry. They were working at Granny Goose. They were working at Del Monte at the cannery. This is when there were jobs in Oakland. Oh, yeah. And that's when they all formed. They were working black men. And then, when to, to you know, blow off some steam, when they're, you know, they want to kick back and go home or whatever, they said, man, you know, let's form something. Let's get something together. So that's when the car club came about in the 50s. And then, at first, they started hot rod, you know, just like a lot of people were doing in Oakland back then white, black, whoever. They were both, they were racing their, their, their cars.
0: Car clubs were really big at the time. In the East Bay, there were crews with names like the Piston Knockers and the Fender Benders. Some even wore matching outfits.
2: What, what came down to it is that, you know, if you had, usually a family had one car, right? So, you know, mom had to go do what she had to do, had to take the kids and everything. So eventually, people were like, damn, we could take two or three bikes, and put them in a the garage, instead of taking the family car out. So then as it spun off, it ended up turning into a motorcycle club.
0: Besides taking up less space, Motorcycles were also more affordable. Back then, you could get a beat up old Harley Davidson for as little as 50 bucks. And learning how to build them back up became a group activity that all these guys bonded over.
2: The bikes were a lot easier to work on. They could be in the garage, they could be in the driveway. And then when this brother needed
0: something, they all worked on each other's bikes just to keep them on the road. In his memoir, Soul on Bikes, Toby Jean talks about why he started the Dragons. He says that his brothers and friends were getting in a lot of fights around Oakland, and he wanted to create something that would help keep them out of trouble. Sure, the Dragons got in a few brawls, but mostly his plan worked.
2: That was the foundation. The foundation of the building blocks is when he talked about family, the brotherhood, the love of family and friends, that's what it was solidly based on.
0: Of course, there were some challenges that came with being an all-black motorcycle crew.
2: Back then, you got to remember, a black man riding a Harley Davidson in the 60s was unheard of. So not only did you have the police on your helmet, you had other outlaws, other white dudes that were on your helmet because a black man riding a Harley Davidson was unseen. So when they seen you right away, they want to take your shit. And and that's why we say we're a peace loving people, but we'll take care of business when we have to. That's not what we're really about. But we had to earn that respect because no one's going to touch ours and our family.
0: The dragons weren't exactly known for keeping a low profile. In his book about the Hell's Angels, Hunter S. Thompson has a scene where he's hanging out at a biker bar with the angels. He says that when the dragons pulled up to the bar, they were, quote, the wildest looking bunch of Negroes I've ever seen. Thompson was worried there was going to be a brawl, but what he didn't know was that Toby Jean and the leader of the angels, Sonny Barger, grew up pretty close to each other. They'd been friends for years. In Sonny Barger's book, he calls the Dragons, quote, one of the most respected African-American motorcycle clubs in the land. He also says that he was always impressed with how the Dragons customized their bikes and even used the metal shop at Laney College to make their own parts. The Dragons still have a lot of pride about how influential their bikes were. If you saw the bikes back then, the choppers, if you look at everybody else's, they had a black Harley-Davidson,
2: Look at the Dragon's bikes, they were ahead of their time. They had canary yellow choppers, purples, greens. If you ever noticed the choppers back then, a Dragon chopper, they were ahead of their time. Nobody was doing that. Riding around with hot top hats on and just wild, man. They created a trend now that people do it, and you know Harley-Davidson stole all that shit because you know they got all the trends from all the bikers around here anyway from the 60s and 70s. They took a lot from the Dragons.
0: The Dragons are still an all-Harley club. So they're not bitter about the company copying their style. They just want people to recognize that black bikers originated a lot of the modifications that later became popular. And it wasn't just the dragons. Some of the black clubs from Los Angeles were real innovators on this front too. If you do the research, you'll see it.
2: And, and harley uh-huh. is a business. It's a business. You got to remember, like they say, they see something, they put it together, they marketed it. It's a business. I mean, so you can't be, you can't hate on that, but. You know, you got to understand where it's all coming from and just, as long as you know your history.
1: I was asked that question before, what drew my attention to the East Bay Dragons is was their formation that they rode, you know, it's like a parade ride, right? They got Two by two by two by two, like the military marching.
0: Again, that's Melvin Shadrach, who's been a member of the Dragons for more than 25 years.
1: They line up 40 or 50 men deep on motorcycles and hit the freeways and, and ride. And stay in that formation. Stay in that formation, you know, until they get where they're going. When I was training in the military, that's all we did was march and two by two by two. uh, And when I drove tanks and personnel carriers in the military, it was, you know, formation. Yeah. You were in the Army? Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I saw these guys riding these vehicles in the form that they were, and me being a driver and an operator of vehicles, I was reminded of my military experiences. You know, I connected with that, with Brotherhood, the guys that I, you know, was side by side with in different operations when I was in the service. There's, there's support there.
0: Since the very beginning of motorcycle clubs, Men who served in the armed forces have been drawn to them. I think Melvin's story is a good example of why it's still really common to find a lot of veterans in this world. Melvin was born in Louisiana in 1944, and his family moved out to California, Stockton, when he was 12. He was working to help pay his girlfriend's tuition at UC Berkeley when he found out he'd be forced into going to Vietnam.
1: No, I didn't want to get drafted. Especially when they told me I was going to have to go to do some killing and be trained to kill and all this, they sent me to guerrilla warfare training, uh, chemical warfare training and all this training to, you know, all this stuff, I I, I say, I don't believe in all this killing. They said, well, this is what you got to do if you want to serve, you know
0: either go to the server or go to jail. Right, that's right. what they said,
1: yeah. right? So I says, I ain't wanting to be locked in chains, so I got to do what these people tell me to do. So I went in, and took orders, survived it. Uh, well, I survived physically. Still have some mental challenges, you know, behind.
0: When Melvin came back from the war, he married that girlfriend who he'd helped put through college. I
1: came back a working man, raising a
0: family. Melvin used his experience driving big vehicles for the Army to get his civilian career.
1: I started out working for uh mobile oil corporation and migrated into Exxon Company USA. So I drove tanker trucks and hauled gasoline and inflammable liquids all over the nine Bay Area counties for 31 years.
0: For decades after the war, Melvin was suffering from PTSD. For a long time, he tried to keep his pain bottled up. It wasn't easy.
1: I worked all these years with disabilities that I had. Mentally, you know, behind all the killing and all the, like I say, losing fear, losing the feelings to cry, losing the feelings to deal with losses, normally. And then I I had to go through a lot of rehabilitation. You know, not to have the heart and the mind to kill again. I joined this club and it kept me away from all of that.
0: Joining the Dragons gave Melvin the support he needed to deal with his past. And it also gave him the kind of brotherhood he'd been missing since leaving the military. And were you struggling with the trauma that you were dealing with before right, you joined the club?
1: Right, right. That was one of the reasons why I took a ride after I put a patch on to go to the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. The club has done a lot for me. The club has kept me safe from some personal things.
0: Now, it's not like putting that yellow and red Dragon's patch on the back of your jacket. It's just some kind of magical cure-all. Melvin says that it takes a lot of work to be in this club. But even though membership is demanding, he credits Toby Gene Levingston for creating a structure that works.
1: I say, this is a man that got all these black guys together in one group. How do he keep control of all these different personalities and... And you know, it learned me how to get along with those that I disagreed with. It made me get along with those that that I have nothing in common with except the motorcycle. There's no secret to how the Dragons have
0: maintained this culture that's kept the club alive all these years. It's simple. You have to show up to the meetings. Physically being in a room together and talking just about every week That's just as important as riding around on Harleys together.
1: We try to get to see each and every one of our brothers every Saturday because we call a meeting every Saturday. A little part of it is business, very little part of it is business. But the other part of it is just getting you here to see your face. You see, if we can help you with something, with your personality, with your whatever, just be here. If this sounds sort of like group
0: therapy, well, yeah. Here's Picasso again.
2: If I got a problem, I can come to see Melvin. I can come to see other members and say, hey, Melvin, maybe, maybe you can work this out. I mean, I got this issue going on. Or maybe another member's here. Or maybe we can all sit down, we sit in the backyard and talk about it. And get shut, Whether it's business, whether it's just feelings that we have as
1: brothers, whether it's we have family problems.
2: Always like find I say, men make
1: men. men make men. We all make each other better. Yeah. Don't tear me down. Right. Build me up. This focus on looking out for
0: each other and helping to keep each other in line, it's how the dragons ride, too. I'll let Picasso explain. And sorry for the squeaky chair that you hear a little bit in the background here.
2: When you ride side by side, it's work. It's a lot of work. It's not easy because we're talking about from miles to miles, we're riding side by side. I'm my brother's keeper. That means that I'm riding next to Melvin. I can't be, you know, moving over into his lane because we're, we're only in one lane. So when you're out there on the slab, it's a lot of work. It's not easy, man, when I'm side by side. so. You'll, you know, it's not like I'm uh, you know, my, I'm, I'm looking around watching the birds fly by. You can't. You're focused. You got to stay focused on your next brother. You got to keep looking at him because you got to make sure he's staying awake. You got to look at his motorcycle. Every, every, every few minutes you're looking down. Let me see if, you know, if I see some oil coming out of the bike, something that's attached to his bike. You're looking at his and he's looking at yours. So there's a communication between both of us. I throw up the, you know, or like all of a sudden I might be kind of weaving a little bit over. Melvin might look over me, he might look over me and look at me and go, you okay, like, you okay, you okay? I'll throw up the, the, the thumbs up and maybe maybe I kind of doze a little bit. I'm like, oh, I'm okay. I throw up the thumbs up back and keep moving. And you're always constantly looking at the next man's bike. You're, you're reading each other the whole time. Because you know what? I, I'm, I'm in control of his fate. and he's in control of mine. The two guys in front of us, we're riding like five feet uh, in front of them. So you're talking about five feet in front of them, the next two pair that are up there, and we're side by side. So we're talking about real close, real tight.
1: Running
0: 90 miles an hour. 90 miles an hour. Of course, during the long rides, occasionally there are problems, but confronting challenges is a big part of how the Dragons test those bonds that keep them together. That's when
2: you really find out who the true person is, who you're riding with. And that's why, just when you come into this organization, you have to start riding with the club because the worst comes out on a person when you're just out there on the road. And you'll see the best of people come out as well because it's hot, our bikes break down, something happens, some type of adversity. And let's see how you handle that adversity. Are you just gonna run off and say, you know what, I can't deal with this and run away and say, you know what, I can't handle this. I got my hotel down the the street. I'm just gonna go and get get my air conditioned. And I, I wanna deal with this. And we're out there in Arizona in 100 degree heat. It shows who the real man is.
0: All this brotherhood stuff, it's important, but look, there are other types of men's groups these guys could have joined if that's all they were looking for. As the motorcycle anthem, Born to be Wild, famously says, the reason to get your motor running and head out on the highway is to look for adventure, right? So here's an adventure story. The dragons were cruising through Arizona when another club passed them up without asking permission. That's a no-no.
2: They went past our, our pack. And Melvin basically said, you know, I ain't gonna let this happen. He jumped out of our pack. And what'd you do? Go ahead, Melvin. You jumped up right now.
1: They were running over 120 miles an hour. And I came Nine. from the back like this. I, I must have went past them at 140, 145. Just what, let them know they was not so what happened himself. then? Oh, mm-hmm. I, I let them just see me and let them see let him the patch. Hey,
2: hey, you pass by us like that? No, and jump me, out, I'll pass by and you Let us. you
1: know you're not riding by yourself like this out here. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> we, know,
2: we knew who they were. We're all good. We're all cool yeah. But he had to let them know. And that's what communication is on the road. Yeah. A lot of it's hand signals and a lot of it's yeah. other things. But you know, usually the etiquette of passing a pack of motorcycle riders is when you pull up, there's something called a, a, a road captain. And a road captain in a pack of bikes there's usually one in the front and one to the rear if i'm riding my bike solo and i see a pack of 30 guys up there you're supposed to go to the back and you look at the road captain in the back and it says and you tell them you, you want to pass your pack this is respect he'll he'll go either he'll go up to the front or he'll go to the back and he'll say he'll he'll call the lead he'll go and then then you will pass the pack see that's a sign of respect and then you just give up the deuce to everybody as you pass by, thanks fellas, and then you keep on going, and you pass the pack.
1: But Look these at these guys just bare past us like at 120 this. 120
2: miles an hour. At
1: 120 miles an hour. That's why I see. And I
2: then think. he passed them. He's just letting them know, don't, you know, you slow your we ass down. We got some in. bikes in here to run. We got, we got some bikes, just because you see us going speed limit, and you go by 150, don't, don't get it twisted, he jumped <laughs> out of the pack and passed you up. You see what I'm saying, that's called communication.
1: And a little bit of having fun too. And
2: fun too, yeah. yeah. Nobody's hurt feeling. It's, it's a
1: little show off thing. When but, it, they, but it still when they see done. you When they see you riding a bagger and you know, they figure it's all look and no go, right? right. They figure it's all show and no go,
2: right? Until you get on the ball.
1: Because I'm running. I'm running speed limit. I'm running, we're in fact running speed limit, 80, 90 miles, 80, 75, 80 out there. We're going, we going to Phoenix right there. Open highway, desert highway, right? Man, this is the place to open it up if you want to open it up, you know? And man, I just let them have it. Whoa, just go right by them like, you know, hey, what are you guys trying to say here? So it's a little bit of fun. It's fun too. A little scary, too, when you go that fast, of course. You know, i got too old to be running that fast out there. What's it like to push a
0: motorcycle up past 140? According to Melvin, the feeling transcends normal emotions. You get to a different place when you're going
1: that fast. It's like when I was in the war. It's so much death and so much killing. So much of everything are you here today and not here at the next minute you here this minute, you're going the next minute it ain't no more fear. you already accept death you know it's It's like you you question God, you know about not being afraid, you know you know that type of stuff. When you run a motorcycle real fast, it ain't no fear anymore.
0: This is the part of the conversation where I started to understand why so many combat veterans are drawn to motorcycles. But it's not just about craving thrills or defying death. I asked Melvin what's going through his head during those long rides when he's out on the road from sunup to sundown. Here's what he said.
1: Absolutely Nothing is getting to where you can get off that motorcycle and continue. That's all be on your mind. Is that next point to where you're going to lay your head.
0: Sounds a little bit like meditation almost.
1: Right. What be on your mind is the sound of the wind, the sound of that Hardy Davidson. It, you jump on your bike, all the problems you might have in your mind, when you hit that highway and that road, they're
2: gone. I've met people from what, all over the world that came here that, that know about the East Bay Dragons from Germany, met them from France. They even offered me a a flat in France, if I ever come to France and to Paris, I thought about it, I said, when am I black ass going to be in Paris? Yeah. <laughs> but I've had people offer Paris me, nice.
1: they offered me places to it's stay. Places. I
2: mean, I can go, I can stay I all, all over the world, from Denmark, right? they have came last winter from Denmark. I mean, wow. man, I met so many people that come through this clubhouse that wanted to pay homage to Toby Jean Livingston, man, all over the world. And right. now, I, now, if I wanted, if I want to go on vacation, I could go to France all I need is a flight out there, and I'm sitting pretty up there and, uh, and looking at the Eiffel Tower, bro.
0: As one of the original black motorcycle clubs, the East Bay Dragons really are known around the world. But Toby Jean Levingston never wanted to start another chapter outside of Oakland, because that's not what this club is about. They ride all over the country, but they always come home. I haven't mentioned it yet, but the Dragons are deeply involved with the local community. They raise money for students and for families that need help. They have block parties with free food. They give away turkeys around the holidays. They even do a Christmas event for kids where one of the dragons will dress up like Santa Claus. But keep in mind that this part of deep East Oakland can get pretty rough. The dragons have had some brushes with violence over the years. One of their members was even shot to death in the clubhouse garage back in 2011. So... This supportive relationship with the neighborhood, it goes both
1: ways. A lot of times, if something come up against this club, this community, this community. Will, will is what you have to worry about. You have to worry about everybody that loved the East Bay Dragons in these streets and other clubs and everything. It's good. It's heavy, A lot of times, we don't have to take care of those things that come up against us. We don't. The East Bay Dragon members won't have to have hands on nothing getting taken care of. The community will hear about something going on with us or our members or any one of us. Them people in the streets will handle it.
0: One of the biggest changes in Oakland over the past few years has been the displacement of thousands of black families. Nobody knows exactly what kind of long-term effects gentrification will have on the Dragons neighborhood, but the club is committed to staying put.
2: I have strong views about the gentrification going on in Oakland, but um, change is changed and we have to roll with it. But uh, as far as uh, this house right here, it will be solidified right here on this corner of uh, 88th and International, so we don't have to worry about that.
0: You guys own this place? Yes, and it ain't going nowhere. Besides all they do for the local community, Melvin is determined that this clubhouse, this organization that Toby Gene Levingston built, will always remain an oasis for people like him, men who get the urge to jump on their bikes and explore the country, sometimes without knowing exactly where they'll find
1: themselves. There's always be a house and home for an East Bay Dragon. Not just for the East Bay Dragons and our brothers and it's for those that visit us. A motorcycle rider come here is rider heaven because we're going to give you a place to stay. We're going to give you a place to eat. Lay down until you get ready to leave. We don't care where you're from, what color you are you motorcycle rider, a Harley-Davidson rider. If you're traveling, this is Motorcycle heaven, And it will always be here for motorcycle riders.
0: Thanks for listening to East Bay Yesterday. I've been your host, Liam O'Donohue. The Dragons have a few events coming up real soon, so check out their Facebook page to get the details. Big shout out to Robert Lou Trujillo for putting me in touch with Picasso. Rob's a great Oakland-based illustrator, and you can check out his art at work.robdontstop.com. I'm going to be sharing a really cool East Bay Dragons painting that Rob did, along with some other dragons photos, on social media this week. So make sure you follow East Bay Yesterday on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'll also be sharing some news about some upcoming events that I'm doing. You can find all the links at eastbayyesterday.com. And speaking of social media, if you enjoyed this episode, please do me a huge favor and share it. I don't have any marketing budget, so the only way that this show will reach more people is if you help spread the word. Tag me if you do. I'd really appreciate it. Okay, you can subscribe to East Bay Yesterday on pretty much all the major podcast apps. Music for this episode came from Digital Primitives, Dave Depper, and Chris Zabriskie. The theme song music came from Anatech. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with more episodes of East Bay Yesterday.